Good morning. Hey, you showed up. You're here, whether you're online or in person, and God is showing up. Amen. Uh, thank you. Somebody said happy birthday, so thank you for that. Um, you know, as we look at this idea of showing up and what it means for us in the book of James, last week we looked at James chapter 1. I encourage you to go back and, and to look at that. We talked about lifestyle Christianity and what does it mean to actually live our faith. Uh, today we're looking at this idea of do you see me? And, and really it's bigger than that. It's being free to see. That we would be free to see. Free to see the Lord. Free to see each other free to see the world around us as he sees it. And uh, Pathway, we got some things to celebrate around here. God has allowed us over the last few weeks to experience some pretty incredible things. I mean, we uh, took something that the culture around us deems about a bunny and about eggs and about candy, and we pointed to Jesus with the hope that people could freely see who Jesus was and experience his love. We had 7,609 registered guests that came to the egg drop event. We had amazing sponsors. Go to the website, treasurecoastegdrop.com, and see who our sponsors were, because they helped us, and you need to see them. Amen? We had over 150 volunteers from our church that were a part of that, that were free to see God move, but also to love on people that were coming in. Can we give our volunteers a hand and our sponsors? And just say, thank you. You know, we really had a heart in this that Jesus' name would be known and that we would get to know other names. And over the last couple of weeks, the, the amount of people that God has freed us to see has been really incredible. We had a prayer team that met with people and got information. We had visitor cards. I mean, look at all these filled out with people that are being followed up with. I mean, God is freeing us as a church to, to celebrate what he's been doing. We actually had a volunteer at the event, Rod Costner. Rod, thank you for taking pictures and making a video. I want you to just see a glimpse for about 45 seconds of what God did on that day. You ready to see it? All right, let's play that. That's just a glimpse, and uh, there is so much more. If you actually go to our Facebook and Instagram, uh, you can actually see the full video. Uh, there are photos. Uh, we are featured in the local newspaper, uh, who actually took an incredible amount of pictures as well. So I'd encourage you to check it out, follow us, and to get some of that information as well, because it's encouraging to see what God is doing, isn't it? 
And again, we're talking about free to see today. What does it mean to be free to see? So let me pray over us as we get ready to get into his word together. Father, we uh, just celebrate what we just saw. We thank you that we are free to see you, free to see the world around us through your eyes. And Father, as we turn to your word, I pray that our eyes would be opened, our hearts would be uh, just good soil, open to receive the word and what you have. Father, I pray that you would free us to see you and to see our neighbors, that we could love and be who you've called us to be. Thank you for all that you are doing. Thank you for your hand on pathway. And we just give you all the glory. May you be heard today through your word. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. So in this series, Showing Up, we're being honest about some of the things that maybe don't show up when we show up, right? That, That there's sometimes a disconnect between what it means to believe in Jesus and actually live for Jesus, And so I found this, uh, Tom Rainier, he's an author and pastor, he put out these seven things that non-Christians actually uh, think about Christians, and I I thought this was really interesting. Uh, The first, that Christians are against more things than they are for. That's something for us to sit in, right? Is our life living in such a way that people know us by what we're against and not necessarily for what we're for? That's a big deal. Second one, uh, they say, I would like to develop a friendship with a Christian. You might go, really? Uh, He surveyed a lot of people. People are more ready than you realize and probably have questions and just need a good, healthy interaction with a Christian. Amen? Number three, I would like to learn about the Bible from a Christian. Number four, I don't see much difference in the way Christians live compared to others. Ouch, that one hurts. That one calls into question, how are we showing up? What does it mean, as we talked last week, to live a Christian lifestyle, to actually follow Jesus? Number five, I wish I could learn to be a better husband, wife, dad, or mom from a Christian. I think that's pretty telling. Number six, some Christians try to act like they have no problems. (laughs) Welcome to church. Right? I mean, this is the place where it goes one of two ways. We put on the church face and we fake it. Or, in the case of Pathway, we hope that you feel that this is a safe space. That you can take off the mask, you can be real, that you find other people that are learning to be real. And that we actually do admit that we have problems. and that We need Jesus. More today than we probably even realize. And then number seven, I wish a Christian would take me to his or her church. I was like... Yeah, let's start inviting people. You may not have the gift of evangelism, right? But you surely can invite someone to church. So as you look at these seven, this is what people think about. And, and maybe we need to have you know, some things about our sight adjusted, about who Jesus is and who he wants to be in and through his people in his church. John 3.16 is a reminder that it should give us some clarity, Right? It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish. Say whoever. Whoever, right? We're free to see that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. As we think about what that verse means, you know, there's moments where we realize our eyes need to be adjusted. When I was a kid, I had no idea how bad my vision actually really was until I 
put on a pair of glasses for the first time, your pastor wears contacts because without glasses and without contacts, my life kind of looks like that. I'm actually, uh, my, my vision is so bad, it's like 2,500. I take the contacts out, this is what you would see. It would be very blurry, blurry. And as you think about your life, as you think about Jesus, as you think about the gospel, I just wonder how many of us are actually free to see. That, that actually what God may want to do today is to put some corrective lenses over our eyes to really see him and to see those around us in a fresh and new way. You see, God looks at different things than we look at. You and I often look at the outward appearance. Let me remind you what 1 Samuel 16 verse 7 says. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. You see, maybe like me, you've been guilty at different times of seeing people through the wrong lenses, through the wrong eyes. Have you ever caught yourself showing up in a space, even in church, with, you know, the, looking around and saying, well, you know, her hair is too short. He shouldn't wear that to church. What's with those shoes? That car is too expensive. Their house is too big. He has a PhD. She didn't even graduate from high school. They go to public school. They're homeschoolers. They're private schoolers. You ever found yourself in those spaces where, where you're actually seeing things through the world's eyes, not through the Lord's? When I was 21 years old, I was uh, sitting in a church. I'm going to come down here next to my wife, Cindy. She didn't know this was happening. Sorry, honey. How you doing? I, I'm sitting in a church just like you, and there's a moment where they show a video about two men. And these men, in many ways, had a lot of reasons to be divided and to see each other that way because that's what the world often does. And as they shared their story and the power of the gospel and the power of Jesus, it was almost like God put his hand on my shoulder. Not literally, but like spiritually. I just felt this hand like kind of on my shoulder. And I, I felt I heard God say, son, you have some issues and I'm going to take you on a journey. Son, you have some issues. I'm going to take you on a journey. You see, what God had to show me in that moment, sitting in that seat, was that I had a number of things that I had come to believe about others that were not based on the Bible, were not based on how Jesus saw them, but were based on how I grew up and what I had learned in the world from experiences, some good, some painful, some positive, some negative, but God had to show me that I had some issues. And I just want to tell you, by God's grace, he has been doing a work since that moment that has forever changed me as a Christ follower. I'm a different person. I'm a different pastor. I'm a different leader, husband, father, friend, because of those kind of moments. 
We all need those kind of moments to be free to see, don't we? You see, Charles Swindle, a pastor and author, he says this about this issue. He says, this kind of prejudice is sin. If there's one place where class distinction should be broken down, it's in our places of worship. Discrimination over color, political persuasion, financial status, fashion or appearance doesn't belong in the church. Can I get an amen? Amen. Either inside or outside its doors, in private or in public. His quote comes in a commentary on the book of James. Let me read to you the first four verses of James chapter 2. If you'll turn there with me. James, the brother of Jesus, who is writing now as a brother in the Lord, as a servant of Christ. He's a pastor leading a church. And he's delivering this to a people that need to realize the world then and the world today tries to bind us from seeing each other freely the way Jesus does. He says this, my brothers, show no partiality. Can you say partiality? As you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and a fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say you sit here in a good place while you say to the poor man, you stand over there. Translation, get out of our way, please. Sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? If you're taking notes, the question is, are you free to see or out of focus and playing favorites. About 15 years ago, God, you know, do the math, right? There was about eight years that I was on the journey with the Lord since the moment he showed me that. It's about eight years into it that God said, hey, you're going to, you and your wife and your family, you guys are going to go plant this church in southwest Michigan. And as you plant it, it's going to be a church for all people. It's going to be a church where, you know, people find that at the foot of the cross is the most level ground. That's where Jesus shows up, amen? Amen. And so as we did that, God began to challenge and test us on what that really meant pretty quickly. Similar to what James is saying, there can be a tendency to play favorites, to have partiality. That's not who we're called to be. We're supposed to be free to see as he sees. There was a moment early on as the church got started where where my wife Cindy is leading a women's Bible study and a woman that she had invited and a woman that I had invited to be there both showed up on the same night. The woman Cindy invited was actually somebody that uh, was a single mother in poverty that didn't look like her eye. As she sat at her table, she had no idea that she actually offended the other woman who actually came into the room with a great deal of wealth. She actually was so offended that she got up and left because Cindy was free to see and she didn't like what she was seeing. She didn't like that Cindy sat at that table because she didn't want to sit at that table. 
Cindy shared it with me, and I couldn't have been more proud of her for just loving like Jesus loves. Amen? Amen. But I got that phone call you get sometimes as a pastor. Is that one from the, the husband? Can you meet? Sure, be happy to. So we sit down, and, and we have a cup of coffee, and uh, boy, it didn't take long. I'm not even sure I got two sips in, right? And he shared that, listen, uh, I understand what you're trying to do. I understand what you think this church is supposed to be. And it was early. We were six to 12 months in. But, but he said, I, I, I need you to understand what happened at that Bible study and what that meant and how it hurt my wife. And I want you to know that, that we've come out of that. We're self-made. We've climbed the ladder and we're not going to come back down. He said, he looked at me and he said, you know, I'm good on a, on a given year for 20000 a year to your church, guaranteed. On a good year, which quite often, he said, happens, could be as much as 30 or 40. But again, I'm not coming down. I lovingly looked at him and said, thank you for sharing that. Let me recommend another church in town for you. They ended up there. They're still there, to my knowledge. It was a small area like this. We were able to reconcile and have a bit of a friendship later on. Ironically, our nonprofit partnered with the church they attended, so they got to see me every year. <laughs> the stuff is real. The stuff is real. And, you know, as I said, the world does some of this to us, right? We live in a world where it's easy to begin playing favorites, you know, picking the team that, that maybe we like, the Pittsburgh fans. Oh, <laughs> well, that didn't take long to show our partiality. If you're online, those were booze and the ambient mics. Cubs? Okay. Yep. Another. Oh, this one will really get it going. You got the Bucks and the Cowboys, right? Somebody asked, is this your collection? No, this is our staff's collection. I got their help. But I'll tell you, two of the staff members have two really interesting jerseys. See, this is Pastor Nate's allegiance and favorite impartiality, the Ohio State Buckeyes. This is mine, the Michigan Wolverines, okay? Now, here's the interesting thing about that. We serve together. We love each other. Because at the end of the day, while we can have fun and, and have, I mean, it's that whole idea, right? Birds of a feather flock together. Here's what we need to understand. You may have a partiality and a favorite, but when you come to Jesus Christ, when you begin to come to the foot of the cross and really understand who he is, he actually brings us all together in a new way where actually we realize we're all sinners in need of a savior, that we have new brothers and sisters, that we no longer play favorites because he's our favorite. Amen? Amen? And I just wonder if, if as God is moving on us, if we need to really, again, look at, are we free to see? So let me give you a definition of partiality. This is my definition. It's prejudging someone either positively or negatively based on personal bias 
without regard for their unique personhood. You ever been in that moment where somebody just labels you because of how you look? That's not being free to see. And sometimes we do it. We're not free to see because we're looking at the outward package and not seeing a unique person made in the image of God that has a story that God is writing and asking us. And and so there is this reality of the difference between judgment and discernment. You see, discernment recognizes fruit and recognizes areas that may need to change and be shaped, but judgment looks and says, I'm better, I'm tear, and I'll tear down. Judgment's actually quite destructive in that sense. We need to have discernment, yes, but not judgment. The Lord is the judge, amen? So he goes on in chapter 2, and he explains to us, if you're taking notes, why Christians should be free to see. Verse 5, he says, listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blasphemy the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. Partiality, you guys, are you catching this, is a sin. Verse 10. Whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. He spells out in here three reasons. One is theological, one is biblical, and one is, is uh, theological, logical, and biblical. Let's look at them. Theologically, God is impartial is the first one. What he's getting at here is God treats all sin the same. Would you and I? Probably not. But he's God, not us. So God treats it all the same. And, and he calls us to be a people that embrace his grace and mercy. And here's the deal. If God is impartial and you aren't, you need to get closer to God. And if you can't accept a God who is impartial and sees all sin the same, and you're like, well, that's a scandal, that's ridiculous, that kind of grace and love is reckless, you're absolutely right. It truly is. God's grace and mercy is scandalous. His love is reckless, and that's how it found you, and that's how it finds me. He is impartial. Calls us to be that way as well. In 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 through 29, it says this, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards, but many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being may 
might boast in the presence of God. Our boast is in the Lord who is impartial. Amen? It's a theological reason that James is given here. Secondly, logically, it harms daily living. Notice what he said in verse 6 and 7 of James chapter 2 that we just read. He says, but you have dishonored the poor man are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court. Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? He's saying, listen, wake up. The people that you're favoriting are actually the people harming and hurting your daily living. And I just wonder if some of us need to be free to see that unless it's centered on Jesus... It is harming our daily, li- our daily living. We live in a culture right now, especially in the West in America, that is very toxic and very anti-biblical and anti-Christ. If you're not aware of that, you're swimming in it, and God hopefully will open your eyes to be free to see it. Because at the end of the day, there are things in our daily living that are harming us, that God wants us to be free to see. Third one. Biblically, we are commanded to love God and love all people. Look at what Mark says in uh, chapter 12, verse 29 through 31. Jesus answered, the most important is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. What is our church mission statement, right? To love God and love all people in our pathway. It comes right out of the greatest commandment. This reality that that biblically we're told that we're to love everyone. And so to be clear, the issue isn't whether we have a lot or have a little. The issue isn't where we've come from. The issue isn't even what we show up with today. It's what is the Lord doing with who we are and what he has for us? Are we stewarding our life? Are we living for him? Are we showing up and being a people that is really free to see? So how do we get free to see? James 2, verse 12 and 13 is where we finish today. He says this, So speak and so act as those are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What is he getting at here? He's spelling out for us, how we can actually get free to see. And there's four things that we see here in this text. Three in the text and one that I'll point to outside of the text. The first is this. Choose scripture as your standard. He says the law, the law of liberty. That actually we need to choose scripture as our standard, not our habits. And part of what happens is is God's word, his law begins to reveal to us Areas that that maybe we have habits that we've grown up with or been taught, things that God wants to change and transform. Moments where he says, hey, you've got some issues, I'm going to take you on a journey. And here's the beauty of that, right? If, If scripture is our standard, then our habits 
will begin to change and we'll find a new freedom to live the life that God intended us to live. Amen? So we choose scripture as our standard, not our habits. Secondly, we choose the law of liberty and love, not your bias. This is a one that really works on us, doesn't it? I mean, we all have biases and partiality, and God calls us to submit those things and lay them down and say, hey, I've got this law of liberty, this law of freedom and love, and I want to free you to see, as I see, that whosoever believes can have eternal life. And so we choose to, to come into submission to the cross of Jesus Christ. I said this a couple weeks ago. Uh, I believe it was during our Easter morning. If anybody has ever told you that Jesus doesn't want to change your life and change everything about you, I'm really sorry that you actually missed some of the greatest news that's a part of the gospel. You see, not only does he see us and grant us mercy and grace and want to forgive us, but he actually wants to change us to be more like him, to not be affected by all of the things in the world that, and, and here's the thing, sometimes those biases have come out of real places of pain. And those are areas that our God is good enough to heal, that he is able enough to step into and say, hey, that, that wound, that thing that you went through, that, that thing that affected you and how you view people in the world around you, that thing that views how you have, affects your marriage, affects your kids or your, your relationship with your grandkids, like that area, it happened, it's real but I love you enough to do something about it. I love you enough to do something about it and to change you because my law of liberty and love, I believe God says, is that good. So we choose the law of liberty and love, not our biases. Third, we choose to give the mercy that we have received, not our judgment. That actually we realize that we need to be discerning in the world Jesus talked about discerning a tree by its fruit. But, but that we actually need to walk in the mercy and the grace that he's given to us and to share that with those around us. That's a choice that we make as believers in how we show up free to see. How do we get there? It's by that law of liberty and love freeing us. We can't give what we haven't received. And so part of what it may be for any of us is to recognize like, yeah, I, I've got some things that I, I need to submit back to Jesus to, to receive his mercy and grace over that because then when that starts flowing, I'll be able to flow freely to those around me. So he gives it and then we give it, amen? And then lastly, choose the blessing of new brothers and sisters, not your partiality. Choose the blessing of new brothers and sisters that at the foot of the cross have found the same hope, the same grace, the same mercy, the same love that you have found. And if you haven't found it, today's your day because he's here for you. He loves you. He has more for you. He wants to enter in and allow you to see that you've got new uh, brothers and sisters, a new family 
that may have wore a different jersey than you in the past, but now has an allegiance to Jesus above all else. And when we begin to see that, we begin to see what Paul talked about in Galatians 3. Let me read this to you. He said, for in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized, say baptized. We've got baptism Sunday today. In each service, we have at least one multiple in our second service being baptized. He says, as you were baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now, he's not saying those things don't exist. He's saying that those things now submit and are one in Christ. That he's done something about what the world has tried to throw at us and divide us over, church. Verse 29, he says, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise. That we all have the same inheritance, favored as sons and daughters of the Most High. Come on, church. So let me ask you two questions today to close. First, are you free to see? Or are you playing favorites? Are you like me that, that, that in that moment when I was 21 and God put his hand on me, he, he helped me to see that I wasn't as free as I thought I was. That I had some things that the Lord wanted to deal with. So are you free to see or are you playing favorites? And, and if so, are you willing to bring those favorites and lay them down at the foot of the cross and say, Jesus, break my heart for what breaks yours. Jesus, give me your eyes. Give me your ears. Give me your heart. Help me to be free to see and to love. And here's the great news. He sees you right now. He sees you when nobody else sees you. When nobody else in the world maybe sees you the way you think you need to be seen, our God shows up and says, I am Elroy I. It's the Hebrew name that means I'm the God who sees. He's the God who sees you. And as you embrace that and receive that, he then allows you to see those around you. Secondly, will you let Jesus' love set you free today? And will you come to him with anything, with everything, whatever it may be? He wants to free us to see the Lord high and lifted up, to see him also present here on earth, to see him working, to see the new brothers, the new sisters, to see walls of division and partiality that our world has projected on us fall. Church, every community struggles with different partialities. This was 2,000 years ago. We are no different today. But we serve a God who says, I want to help you with that. I want to help you to experience what it means to be mine and to see some of heaven come on earth. So when we think about what does it mean to love God and love all people in our pathway... It's mornings like this, scripture like these, that we need to really find the freedom from the law of liberty to love him and love each other. Amen. Amen. 
I want to pray over us. And then we've got some celebration around baptism and some time towards the end to praise and to respond. So what I'd encourage you to do is to allow God to continue through the act of baptism, through the testimony you're going to hear, through the worship and praise to continue to invite you to see clearly who he is and what he wants to do to free you to really see. Father, we love you and thank you for this morning. We thank you, Lord, that your word is alive and active, that there's an invitation to each of us to receive your love, your grace, your mercy, to experience the law of liberty that frees us to not play favorites any longer, but to have a new family, to be a people shaped by your love, freed at the foot of the cross to be who you've called us to be in this world. We thank you for the waters of baptism in both services today, the lives that are declaring that they are following you and finding freedom in you. And Jesus, I just pray that your spirit would continue to move among us. That as we praise you, as we celebrate you, that we would see you more and more clearly. And that we would share that with those around us. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.